0: Welcome, everybody. I hope that you had a Merry Christmas. As we get started today, I have a question for you. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? How many of you guys would say, I got what I wanted for Christmas? Raise your hand real high. That's great. Now, how many of you guys would say, hey, my family kind of missed it this year? Would you raise your hand? Just kidding. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to see. But Christmas is kind of a time, right, where we kind of can be disappointed about the things that we get. And Christmas came a little early to the Poe House because in October my kids got the Amazon gift-giving guide for the year and they tore through this whole entire magazine. They started circling everything that they wanted from video games to computers to toys, and you name it, my kids circled it. In fact, we totaled all that they wanted up And it amounted to about $4,000. So we looked at our kids and said, you might want to send that list to Grandma. We'll see if Grandma can come through on all those things. And Christmas is a little bit of a a mixed bag for me when it comes to presents. Now, when I was a kid, I always wanted toys. In fact, I'd always go over to my Grandpa's house every Christmas Eve. And I loved sitting with my grandparents and everybody else in my whole family. I had this aunt who always gave me the same gift. Every year, my aunt would give me socks. (laughs) Remember? Yeah, one person excited about socks. That's great. But man, I I always saw that moment as just kind of weird and a little bit cringy for me. And my brother, I kid you not, this one time, my aunt got us these tube socks, these long white socks with the colors on the end. And my brother John and I took one look at the tube socks, and we both laughed out loud that night. We took the socks and we threw them over our shoulder, and we went on with our other gifts. And that was me, right? When I was a kid, I was consumed with getting Good toys and good gifts. And now that I'm older, I don't know what I want for Christmas. I mean, I have so much already. And my wife would come up to me and she said, Andrew, what do you want this Christmas? And I'm like, I don't know. Just get me a shirt or or maybe some pants or something else. And I have become a hard guy to buy for. And you might have that same trouble because you don't know how that other person may react. In fact, in preparing for this message, I did some research about how many items are returned from Christmas. And in fact, I found that 34% of people say that they plan on returning an item that they got for Christmas. Now think about all your hard work and effort. Navigating the mall or going on Amazon to buy that person the perfect gift. And one out of every three people is just going to take that gift back. Just buy them a gift card. Okay? Not only that, but $95 million worth of goods are actually returned every single year. In fact, of those things that are returned, 60% of those items that returned are always clothing or shoes. <laughs> see, Christmas can be disappointing. And we got to see that we got a front row seat of that at the Poe House, and we get that every single year. Because we try so hard as parents to get our kids like the perfect gift. And every year at Christmas time, I always find that there's one child who feels like they didn't get what they want. And this can always ruin our Christmas because we're sitting around as a family and we're so excited. And my kids can be sitting in a pile filled with presents. But if that one item's not there, they will soak, they will be angry, and they will ruin our Christmas It happens every single year that they complain and they whine and they get upset. And now that we have social media and teenagers, they can go online and they look at everybody else's Christmas and they see that our Christmas paled in comparison to what Timmy Christmas got. That stinking Timmy gets everything. And that's all the time, right, that we get a little disappointed by Christmas and the things that happen. Now, where do my kids get that spoiledness from? Well, they get it from their mom. (laughs) Obviously, they actually get it from me. Uh, I was that kid on Christmas that if I didn't get what I want, I would sulk, I would be sad. And at times, we expect Christmas to be filled with such feelings of joy, but sometimes we're just disappointed. And a lot of times in our life, we might have hoped for something, but we got something different, and we become disappointed. Now, disappointment comes in a lot of different ways, and you might see this in your own life, that you get disappointed for a number of different reasons. The first thing that we kind of get disappointed about is when we don't get what we want, right? When we wanted something and we looked forward to it and we didn't get that item, we can be disappointed. It might be that you're in a job and you've been working so hard and you think that you are perfectly in line for a promotion But all of a sudden, instead of getting promoted, your boss picks their own son or daughter to take the spot that you are working for. You didn't get what you wanted. It might be that you bought a brand new car, and you are so excited when you're sitting with that salesperson because you think that you're getting the best deal. But then you go home, and you read your financing agreement, and you realize that you have lost your shirt in that deal, and you're just upset. You didn't get what you wanted. Other times that we're disappointed is when things don't go as you planned it out. You thought you had your plan that was so perfect and it was going so well, but then finances became a little bit more stretched and you weren't able to do that certain thing that you wanted to do. It might be that you had met the man or the woman of your dreams and everything was going so right. At Thanksgiving, everything was perfect, but then Christmas came and everything fell apart in your relationship. And you're wondering, man, could all of my plan just be falling apart right in front of my eyes? It might be that you had a person in your life who just let you down. Somebody that you counted on to come through for you who didn't come through. It might be on Christmas Day you were traveling with your family. And you came into Albuquerque, New Mexico and you were hoping for an Uber. But there was no Uber to be found in the whole entire city. So you called your best friend, and they didn't even pick up the phone, and you were left at the airport by yourself with no way home. We've all been in that moment, right, where we called somebody else in that time of emergency, and there was no help to be found. We have all faced disappointment. And if we're honest, folks, this past year in 2020 has been very disappointing. We've had COVID, we have had politics, we have had government unrest, we have had all these different things that have happened to us. We didn't get what we wanted, right? We didn't get that year that we thought it was going to be. Man, when I was looking forward to 2020, I couldn't wait to travel, I couldn't wait to do tons of different things. And then our world completely changed. I became a homeschool teacher, and I'm not good at it. I I mean, our world just got turned upside down. And here's the interesting thing about all of that. None of us could control it. We couldn't control it. We couldn't control this virus. We couldn't control the things that were happening all around us. And so it led us to a place of being disappointed. So what is it that we can do when we're disappointed? What is it that we can do to navigate through those times where something that you hoped for, it just didn't come about? That's why this message is so important today. Because today I want to share with you how I believe that you can navigate those hard and difficult times by choosing gratitude and hope. That we have a chance to choose daily a different attitude from being upset and angry and frustrated and whiny like a little kid on Christmas... We could choose to be grateful and filled with hope even on the hardest of days. See, make no mistake about it. You and I cannot change our circumstances, but we can change our attitude. You can write that down because that's good, okay? You cannot change your circumstances, but you can change your attitude. You see, the people in the early church knew this very well. In fact, James wrote to the early church in James chapter 1, verse 2 this, and here's what he says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, these verses are always so jaw-dropping for me. Because James says to consider it pure joy when you face difficult times. And that's not usually our attitude, right? We don't go, oh, man, I'm so happy to suffer right now. This is so great. I can't wait to have a hard day again. But James writes, and he says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials. And I sit and I read that and I have a hard time understanding that. And so I did some research on the Greek that's there in these words. And it's very interesting. Because this word considerate or count it as we know in another translation means that you should lead like a soldier or like a general leads the people out into battle. You should lead your thoughts into joy. What's he saying? He's saying that we should lead our attitude into something it's different. We should take joy even in the times that are hard, even in the times that are difficult. Now, what's interesting is the early church really latched on this. They figured this one out. And no matter what their circumstances were, they kept on going. Think about the early church and what they went through. Many of them were disowned by their family. No more going to family gatherings No more enjoying being together. No more enjoying an inheritance one day. They were completely disowned for being followers of Jesus Christ. Many of them were persecuted. They were taken to the Roman Colosseum and they were fed to wild animals. Some of those Christians were burned alive in Emperor Nero's garden just to illuminate it. They went through terrible persecution. They were taken advantage of as well. Many people saw that they were kind and good and nice to others, and so they just took advantage of their compassion and their mercy on other people. All that while living in a world that was unsettled. There were wars, there was famine, there was illness, and there was so much more, and yet they didn't give up. And in fact, you and I are here today and online because those early Christians refused to give up. When it got difficult, they said, you know what, I'm gonna count it all joy. I'm gonna consider it all joy because I know that something better is coming in the future. You see, they adjusted their attitude. They understood that this is a time and a season for us to grow. You see, you have control of your attitude. I love what that great pastor, Charles Swindoll, said all about attitude. Here's what he says. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. See, the only thing that you and I can control is our attitude. And daily, we have to choose to have a good attitude. Even in the midst of the hard and difficult times, we have to say, you know what, I'm going to count it all joy because God is producing in me something that's even better. I'm going to hold tightly to him. So how is it? that you and I can readjust our attitude. Well, I believe that that's a challenge daily. Daily, we have to choose a few different things. The first thing that you and I have to choose is we have to choose to be grateful. We have to choose to be grateful for the things that we have. I love what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. It says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since you're members of one body, And we're called to peace. And be thankful. I love that because where it starts is, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And what Paul is trying to say is, man, allow Jesus to rule in your heart. And then when you allow Jesus to take control, he's the one who's going to bring you peace. And then he explains, be thankful. See, we should all be grateful for what we have. I love as a pastor, one of the things that I get to do is I love going on missions trips. And when I was a youth pastor a long, long time ago, I used to take kids down to Mexico. And I love those trips to Mexico because it would always blow these kids' minds. Because they would see just what little these kids and these adults had, and it would always make them more grateful. And so we would go down to Mexico, and we'd drive this big old church bus, and the kids would look out the windows at all these kids who lived in substandards conditions they lived in homes that were constructed in wooden pallets that were put together with garage doors they lived with a floor that was just complete dirt in absolute poverty and yet these little kids were so happy they were grateful for what little they had in fact we'd see these kids on the side of the road and they'd be kicking around a can or a cardboard box, and they'd just be playing soccer together. They'd find a rock that was just the right side, and they'd be playing with all their buddies, and they were so, so happy. Some of the times we would take a soccer ball to these kids, and then we'd give them what amounted to about $2, this soccer ball. And these kids would cry tears of joy. They were so grateful for that gift. And in so doing, these little teenagers that i take down to Mexico, they were always so broken. They'd always go home in tears at just how ungrateful they really were when they saw the gratitude of those who had absolutely nothing. And that's the problem at times, right? So we can be a little bit ungrateful. We have so much in this nation, so much in this world. And in fact, a lot of times we're surrounded by a culture of customer service. In fact, we've got businesses who just major in customer service. They want you to know that you are number one and that your opinion matters, and they'll do whatever it takes to get your business. And so they will bend over backwards towards your requests or anything else. And a lot of times, because we have that kind of customer service mindset, we start to think that the world just revolves around us. And when we don't get our way, what happens? We get angry and we get loud. Just walk the aisles of any store right now, and you will find this everywhere you go. Customers get angry and loud, and they just want to get their own way. And here's the problem with that. When you live with you as the center of everything else, you're going to become an ungrateful person. And a lot of times when you live that way, not only do you see other people as holding out on you, but you also think that God might be holding out on you. You begin to think that all these circumstances around me are bad, and it's God that's done it to me. God's holding out on me. He's not giving me all the things that I want, and we become like little children on Christmas morning. Spoiled, rotten, angry, and pouting in the corner. But what if we did something different? What if we were grateful? What if we were truly grateful for what we had? What if we woke up every morning and we made a list of all the things that we were just grateful for? I believe that that would change our attitude every single day. You may say, Andrew, man, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really ungrateful. Man, I can't seem to be grateful. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, have you really allowed Jesus to control your heart? Because when you've given control... To Jesus. When you allow His peace to reign in your heart, what should flow out of you is gratitude. You should be thankful. So we make the choice every day to be grateful. And the second thing that you have to do is you have to choose to be filled with hope. You have to choose to be filled with hope. And we live in a world right now that's absolutely hopeless. Man, people are isolated, they're alone. And maybe even you're watching this right now on the stream, and you know it yourself, and you feel completely hopeless right now. Well, what I know is that God has a better plan, and he's got something so much bigger. He wants to fill us with hope, and he wants us to share that hope with others. I love what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 3. It says this, not only so, But we also rejoice in our sufferings. There it goes again, rejoicing in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. See, I love this passage of Scripture because he says that progression of, yeah, you're going to suffer, but that suffering and those great difficulties are going to produce in you hope. Something great is going to come up inside of you. And then he reminds us that hope does not disappoint us. See, this world, you're going to be disappointed by a lot of different things, whether it's Christmas Day or whether it's your kids or whether it's other people. You're going to be disappointed But Jesus will never disappoint you. He will never disappoint you. And that's a guarantee from Scripture is that Jesus, this hope that he offers, it will never disappoint. See, in a world that's so filled with hopelessness, we become the hope dealers. We become the ones who have this hope inside of Jesus Christ that there's something more to this life. That our life isn't just about what we see with our eyes, but there's a life that's coming in heaven that lasts forever, where God's going to make things right. But here's the truth. The evil one doesn't want people to live in hope. He likes them locked up in a place of disappointment. He likes them spinning in this place of isolation where they think that there's no way out. He likes to hold us, even as Christians, on the ropes, making us think, man, we're never going to get there. And if that's you today and you feel that, I want you to know that God's got a better plan. God wants to give you hope, even in the midst of hard and difficult times. I love what I get to do around this church because uh, one of the things that we did during COVID is we started making phone calls to, like, tons of different random people at our church. And we called people up, and it was one of my favorite things to do because I got to talk to people. And I I remember calling this one 80-year-old man up. And I remember talking to this guy because this conversation always stands out to me. And so I called him up and made small talk for a little while. And I said to him, how are you weathering this storm? He said, well, you know, Andrew, we're, we're staying safe. But I want to let you know that my home is not here on this earth. He said, Andrew, my home is in heaven. And so whatever happens, it happens. He said, I have this hope inside of me. Because of Jesus. You see, his hope wasn't in science. His hope wasn't in our government. His hope wasn't in other people. His hope was in Jesus. And that hope, my friends, will never disappoint you. That hope is what lasts forever. And that's the hope that we've got to hold on to. See, some people think that this world that we live in, it's the end-all be-all. That's it. This is that one existence that you have. And so they hold on to this existence with every fiber of their very being. But we believe, as followers of Christ, in something more. We believe that there's a life beyond the grave. We believe that one day we're going to be in the presence of God, in the presence of all our loved ones, that will be in heaven. And we look forward to that day. And until that day comes, we have to have hope. We have to continue to go on no matter what may come. And in a few days from now, we're going to leave 2020 behind. Praise Jesus. I cannot wait for that moment. But the hope is that maybe you'd say, you know what, next year is going to be different. That even in the midst of going through trials and difficulty, maybe 2021 is going to be different. Maybe you say, this is that year that I'm going to do something big for God. This is that year that I'm going to finally get baptized. This is that year that I'm going to join a small group. This is that year that I'm going to step into a ministry and I'm going to do something big for God. This is that year that I'm going to share Jesus Christ with that family member that I know is just so far from God. Maybe you can step into 2021 with this hope that God's going to do something bigger. That God's going to do something better in and through you. And I know that Jesus offers this hope to every single one of us. And I see this all the time as a pastor. In fact, just yesterday on Christmas, uh, I was kind of watching over some of our Christmas Eve services, which were amazing. They were so good this year. All online, our worship team did an incredible job. And as we were kind of watching those services, we were monitoring some of the texts that came in. And I was like in this like large like place with like my family and everybody else and we were just having a good time and all of a sudden we got this text that came through because you always say you can text a pastor or somebody else and they'd be happy to follow up with you. And on Christmas day, I got this text that I'll never forget from this man. This man texted it and he said, I'm 37 years old and it's Christmas morning and I'm all alone. He said, my wife of 10 years left me for another man. My kids are gone, and it's just me. He said, here I sit looking at my fireplace, which used to be hung with stockings, and I am all alone and by myself. He said, for this morning, something crazy happened. I decided to just watch your Christmas services, and something strange happened, and I knew that God was calling me to take a next step. So if there's any pastor that wants to talk to me, I'd be happy to talk. So here I am in like this crowded space with my family all around, and I'm like, I gotta talk to this guy. And I pull out my phone, and I'm like, hey, if you're available right now, I I can talk. And so sure enough, he's like, I'm available right now. And I called this man up, and I had this conversation. He told me a little bit about all the things that were going on. I said, friend, would you like today to know that you can have the hope of Jesus Christ? And he said, You know what? I'd really like that. And I began to explain to this man how he could become a follower of Jesus. I walked him through those ABCs. And after I was done, I said, Are you ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Sure enough, that man prayed that prayer with me on the phone that day. Gone, he had come from a place of being lonely, frustrated, disappointed, to where God poured out his hope into his heart. And that, my friends, is what God can do for you. God can take you from a place of being disappointed. He can take you from a place of being hopeless. He can take you from a place of being hurt, for no matter what's happened, and he can flip the script. And that, my friends, is what God wants to do with you today. Today. Maybe you came here today and you've been disappointed. Maybe you're watching this online and this has been a disappointing season. Maybe you say today is the day that I embrace something different. Maybe today is the day that you change your attitude. Instead of seeing all the bad things that are happening, instead, maybe you choose to be grateful for the things that God's given you. Maybe today's the day that you allow your heart to be filled with the hope that Jesus Christ offers every single one of us. My hope and my prayer for all of us is that we would step into 2021, so excited for that, that we would step into 2021 filled with gratitude and hope, believing that God has a bigger plan for every single one of us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the hope that you offered through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that your hope does not disappoint us. But God, we're filled up with hope that even on the outside when our circumstances are difficult, where we're struggling with this virus, where we're struggling with uncertainty about our financial future, God, we're struggling in so many different ways. Thank you, God, that you brought hope into this world over 2,000 years ago through a baby born in the manger. And because of that hope, God changes. Help us, God, to flip the script. Help us not to just go through the motions, but God, help us to be different because you came. Help us, God, to embrace an attitude of gratitude. Help us to embrace an attitude that's filled with hope. And God, use us as a light for you in this world. God, we truly live in a hopeless world. They look around and they see this earth and they think that this is it. This is all that we have. But God, you have poured out that hope into our heart. So help us to be the ones who are lights in this world for you. Help us to go out and make a difference. And I pray for the ones right now who have been disappointed this year. I pray for the ones who may not know you. They've never experienced your hope that maybe... Maybe this moment would be that time that they reach out for help and that they get answers to their questions. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: If you have questions about your faith, if you're ready to take a next step, or if you'd just like to talk to a member of our pastoral team about next steps, we wanna connect with you. You can call or text us at 505-922-9200 or visit sagebrush.church slash connect and someone will be in touch with you soon. One great way to take a huge leap forward in your biblical knowledge and spiritual leadership is to register for the Sagebrush Academy of Leadership Training. Over the course of two semesters, SALT focuses on the eight key components that are designed to help every participant develop as an individual, a minister, and a leader. By investing in your leadership through SALT, your love and knowledge of Jesus Christ will grow in amazing ways. Finally, if God has used the ministry of Sagebrush Church to bless your life in any way and you want to contribute financially to the work God is doing across the world, you can make a donation at sagebrush.church give or by using the Sagebrush app. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you in 2021 for our best sub service. Have a great week.